Welcome in. It's a special edition, Sunday edition of the BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel, and there was big news this week as the Wichita State Shockers were added to the American Athletic Conference. They are the 12th team in the conference, and uh, 12th team basketball team in the conference, and obviously a, a very strong powerhouse program right now in the college basketball world. A lot of publications and, and um Sites have them as high as uh, fifth in the country, I think, for next year is the highest that I've seen them. Uh, coming off a great year where they were eighth in Ken Palm, but for whatever reason, we'll get into. Um, they got a 10 seed and had to play Kentucky in the second round. And um, it's a situation where I think Wichita State was looking to improve their lot in life and to make things a little bit easier for themselves when it comes to Selection Sunday. The American was looking to do the same uh, for their teams that are competing for the NCAA tournament. And we are joined by a special guest, Mark Adams. Mark is a color commentator on various media outlets around the country, does a lot of uh, college basketball games, and especially prominent in the Missouri Valley Conference where he has called games for years. Mark is an expert on the Wichita State Shockers. He has been in the roundhouse many a times. Uh, he's got a good relationship with Greg Marshall and the Wichita State program, so I thought this would be a fitting time to talk to Mark. For those that don't know, Mark is the brother of our very own Tim Adams and Dan Adams, um, longtime staples here at BearcatJournal.com. And, Mark, welcome in. It's good to have you. Well, thanks, Chad. Great to be with you. You know, I've had the pleasure of being the voice of the Valley on ESPN for a lot of years and across the country on ESPN as well. And you know, it's always been exciting to go to the roundhouse and, of course, the news this week. I know it's very exciting for Cincinnati Bearcat fans because, listen, I, I graduated from the University of Cincinnati, uh, grew up as a Bearcat fan along with the Dayton Flyers and everybody else. And, you know, the old Valley rivalry of Cincinnati and Wichita State has now come to fruition because of this change in the college basketball landscape over the last couple of days. Yeah, and we'll get into the scheduling part of it. I know that's something that if anybody here, and I'm sure most of our members follow you on Twitter, um, it's something you're very passionate about. But first, from the Wichita State standpoint, obviously a longtime member of the Valley. Cincinnati goes back you know, to being in the Valley with Wichita State many, many moons ago. So kind of a reunion uh, for, for Cincinnati and a couple of the schools in the American that used to be in the Valley. Yeah. Um, but for Wichita State, what – what what made this make the most sense for them? What made this something that they felt like it was a, a necessary jump uh, for their athletic programs? Because it's not just basketball. They're coming in all sports. They don't play football. Um, but they're coming in all sports, uh, all, every other sport, and, and seem to think that, that this is the right move for them at the right time. Well, I, I think it's more of a marketing play when you come right down to it. As a businessman, from, from a business sense, I don't think it brings a whole lot of revenue either to the American or to Wichita State when you come right down to it. In fact, I could make the argument that from a business perspective, it, it's not going to be as attractive in some ways to Wichita State. However, that being said, President Bardo is a Cincinnati guy. And I know that behind the scenes for many years, I've heard this from a lot of my friends inside the program, that he wanted Wichita State to be seen like a University of Cincinnati. And he has got, now gotten his wish. And he drove this. This was a vision that he brought to the university. He wanted to be seen more as a research university. He wanted to be seen more as a, a city-related university that fits 
with Houston, with Memphis, with Cincinnati, with Tulsa. And, and this was his vision. And he's been driving that particular vision all the way through. I think that it helps the American from the standpoint that most decisions today in, in collegiate athletics are driven by football. This decision was driven by basketball. And, and that part of it I actually like because I get tired of, of listening to football programs who have this need and that need and only, you know, only a small percentage of them actually make money when you come right down to it. But in the end, this was a basketball decision. So I think from the Americans' perspective of improving their basketball brand by adding a Wichita State to a UConn, to a Memphis, to an SMU, to a Cincinnati, to a Houston, it makes a lot of sense to me that way because now they put themselves in position, especially next season, for more than two bids. Listen, both these conferences, Chad, had problems yep. because the Missouri Valley, which has been a multi-bid league for the most part over really the last 15 years or so, was a one-bid league this year and it put Wichita State in a very difficult situation. And the American only got two bids from SMU and Cincinnati. They, need, they needed a, an injection of enthusiasm and life and credibility into their basketball brand. And they got it by bringing Wichita State to the table. So it's a win for the American that way. But again, from a business perspective, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of winners here. But I think from a marketing perspective, the average fan, it makes a lot of sense. And I, from what I've heard, I, I completely agree on the business side because they're obviously not going to be – the American does not have a great television deal. They're only at $1.9 million per school per year. And with Wichita State not being a part of the football side of that, they're not going to get a full share of, of what that basketball money was. Right. So yep. financially, they're not – this isn't a situation where Cincinnati was looking to go to the Big 12 because the difference of $2 million a year and $30 million a year. Um, right, yeah. This is more and, – and this is more once – I think once Creighton left the Valley, the conference took a pretty big hit in terms of overall depth and left Wichita State kind of on an island, um, hoping that others would step their game up and rise to their level. And as that, you know, that, that hasn't really happened, obviously Illinois State had a, a fantastic season and, and had a great case for being in the tournament, but ultimately didn't get in. I think if you're the president of Wichita State, you had to look at it and say, you know, without, without having that other anchor next to us, we've got to explore our options, and the American had open arms. Yeah, and, and they certainly did that. But, you know, Northern Iowa is a really good basketball yeah. program, and that's a program that's won NCAA tournament games. They weren't as good this year. Illinois State, listen, Illinois State doesn't make the NCAA tournament for one reason, and it's because of money and scheduling. And we could talk about that, you know, a little bit later on. But the, the bottom line is, is that, that the, the Missouri Valley could have been a division, or excuse me, a, a two-bid league, but didn't quite get there. And so – you know, I, I think that, look, this president, uh, listen, Chad, you and I both know that presidents, they, they've earned their right to make really important decisions, but they're like college basketball analysts. They all got egos. You know, they're, <laughs> like, they're like college basketball coaches. They all got egos. And, and President Bardo, you know, he has big enough ego that he wanted to think a little bit bigger, a little bit broader, and now he's delivered Wichita State, you know, to the American, which, which is a good fit by all accounts. And I wish them well, 
and I wish the Valley well also. And you made a great point that, you know, adding Loyola, Loyola's been good but not great. You couldn't replace Creighton. You just couldn't replace that 17,000 fans, you know, in Omaha showing up in their home arena. And then Wichita State became the kingpin, by perception especially. Even though Northern Iowa's pretty good, Illinois State is pretty good this year, but by by perception of the national media, including myself, you know, Wichita State really became the elite team in the Valley, and now they're going to be a really good team in the American. And and let's get to on the court because, you know, the the ancillary stuff, the stuff that, you know, the business side and the marketing side and all that stuff is great, but what this comes down to is what they bring on the basketball court. Greg Marshall has done a, an amazing job of building this program and, and not only making them relevant, but kind of taking them and making Wichita State a national name and a name that when you see them on TV or you see them in the bracket, you're, you're thinking this team's got a chance to compete with anybody in the country. They've got a chance to play with anybody in the country. And, and that's the credibility boost that it gives to the American immediately, especially because right now the America is, is a conference that's looking at two teams that they thought were going to be anchors of this league in Connecticut and Memphis not getting the yep. job done. They, they had to have another team that had that perception of being a threat nationally, and they get that instantly on the court with Greg Marshall and Wichita State. Well, listen, here, here's, here's how I want you know, my fellow Cincinnati alums to think. Uh, think of Archie Miller at Dayton long-term. Mm-hmm. And I know he went to Indiana, but think of Archie Miller at Dayton long-term, and there you have Wichita State. That's what Greg Marshall has done. I mean, Wichita State now is on, is on the same discussion plane as a Gonzaga. They've been to the Final Four. They won the NIT before that. They went 31-0 and during, or 35-0, and excuse me, during a stretch before losing to Kentucky. They beat Kansas, you know, to go to the Sweet 16. I mean, this is a Wichita State program that, that performs at an extremely high level. Money's not an issue in Wichita. Cincinnati spends north of $7 million on the men's basketball program. Wichita State spends north of $6 million on the men's basketball program. Uh, where Wichita State has the advantage virtually over every other American basketball program, they sell out the roundhouse, and it's like hotcakes, man. I mean, it's like hotcakes at the Doodah Diner. And by the way, Chad, if you go to Wichita, go to the Doodah Diner. They serve the best hotcakes. They serve the best breakfast. They serve the best everything, and it's it's just a little greasy spoon place, but, I mean, it is the best. My favorite type of place. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're going to bring 10,000 rabid. It's like Dayton inside that arena. It is absolutely nuts. It's not like Cincinnati. Listen, I love Cincinnati, but, you know, there's too many wine and cheese crowd at Cincinnati (laughs) sometimes. I'd like to see Cincinnati get more to their German, you know, beer and pretzel roots as fans. And, and this is a, a nutty place that understands that very knowledgeable basketball fans. They get after it. It's a hard place to win if you're the road team. I mean, how much fun is it going to be Mick Cronin going up against Greg Marshall, two of the most fiery coaches in the country? And, of course, Cincinnati with, with tremendous talent, but Wichita State's going to bring also the same level of talent as an SMU, as a UConn when they're on top of the game, as a Cincinnati, as a Memphis. I mean, this is a really exciting program with really good players. A couple guys I want you to, to follow along the way. Landry Shamit next year 
will be as good a point guard as there is returning in the country. Listen to me, folks. Understand, this kid can really play. If you saw him against Kentucky, I could make the argument that he was the best guard on the floor at times against Kentucky. This kid understands the game. He's very unselfish. He's not afraid to take and make big shots like a Troy Copain, but he's, he's a bigger point guard, and he sees the whole floor. Connor Francamp is a transfer from Kansas. He's going to be back after another year under his belt. He played a year of apprenticeship behind Ron Baker and Fred Van Vliet, and then he was, you know, played off the ball with Landry Shamit, and the dude can really shoot the basketball. Marcus McDuffie, another guy that's rangy, six 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 seven, played at St. Anthony's. He's got that New Jersey toughness. He can drive the basketball. He can bang the three ball. And then Shaq Morris is a big differentiator. I mean, he's a guy. Kind of like, remember Antonio Gates a few years ago played at Kent State? Oh, yeah. He's built like him. He doesn't play like him, but he's built like an NFL tight end that can create space for himself. And when that kid is engaged, they are as good as anybody in the country. And all those guys are back. Everybody's back off of this team. There was a number 10 seed in the NCAA tournament. Ken Palm, as you mentioned, had him as number eight. This is a highly talented veteran basketball team that's coming in the American, hitting on all cylinders. And believe me, Greg Marshall will have these guys playing with their, with, out of their minds. He is a master motivator, and they're going to understand that they're, they're going to come in, in, into the American with the understanding that they're, even though they might be picked to win the league, they're going to come in with the understanding that, hey, they're coming from the Valley, and everybody's saying they're not that good, and he's going to play us against the world, and they're going to play their tails off. They always do. It's going to be a fun thing to watch as they transition into the American. And, and I can tell you straight up, I watched Fran Camp and McDuffie quite a bit uh, out on the AAU circuit. Those two kids could play at pretty much any high major school in the country. No question. Well, you know, Fran Camp, he went to he Kansas. He went to Kansas, yeah. And, 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 and Marcus McDuffie. Listen, if that kid all of a sudden said, hey, I'm transferring, I'm in Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, they'd all be after that kid. The He's line that would good. be very long. I, 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 he, was yep. one, he was one that, as I watched him, it's kind of like, why isn't this kid getting more looks? But he, he just kind of slid through the cracks, and, and great for and, – and it's Wichita State operates the same way as Cincinnati. If you would have saw yep. Gary Clark or Jacob Evans on the AAU trail, you'd have said – why, why aren't these guys getting more looks? And then they yep. get on the floor in college, and you go, yeah, I was right. Th- those guys can play. So um, very similar styles to the way that Greg Marshall and Mick Cronin build their program, the type of guys that they target. That they're starting to play the new game where they're playing the transfer market and, and using that to also supplement the way that they're building their roster. And I think you've got – it's about defense first, but both have good offenses – um, I, I think you're looking at two teams that, and if they don't play twice, I'm going to go to, to, to <laughs> Rhode Island, Providence, yeah. and I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to take out some kneecaps, Tanya Harding style, but you're looking at uh, these two teams next year playing twice could be electric in, in both atmospheres and, and really mean a lot for what they're trying to do, which is get a better seed, to get a better position yeah. in the NCAA tournament without having to go 35-0 and 0 to do it. Yeah, yeah, and Mick has done a tremendous job. I'm a huge fan of Mick Cronin. And, the, you know, the, the great thing about Cincinnati now, and I've said it 
I don't know, a million times this year as I was on national television doing games. It might be a Valley game on ESPN, or I may have been down at Cincinnati calling a game as well. That this Cincinnati team, you know, not only do they guard the heck out of you. I mean, they're one of the few programs that held their opponents under 38% on the season this past year. That is just nasty, stingy, dirty defense. And I, and I mean that in the most complimentary way. <laughs> But this is an exciting offensive basketball team that Mick has put together. I mean, they are skilled. They can make shots. They can go inside out. I really like this team a lot. And, you know, the, the, the freshman from Wilmington can bang, bang the three ball. He's only going to get better. I just think this is a Cincinnati team that has so, so much offensive firepower along with another year of experience defensively that it's going to be really, really fun to watch. And I love coming to Cincinnati and calling games, and I'm looking forward to coming back next year to do some as well. We're definitely looking forward to having you. It's always good. I get to see you when you uh, – we're, we're two guys that are always in the gym early, so we always get a chance to catch up. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You work your tail off. I respect that. Hey, I mean, if they, if they open the doors and they tell me I'm allowed in, I'm going to be there. <laughs> yep. And yep. That's right. That's something that uh, I picked up from your brother and – uh, it's what's made Bearcat Journal such a great site, and you're the same way, and I, and I love that part of it. Um, let's get into the, the elephant in the room on this thing. Uh, ultimately, a lot of what this is about, Mark, is the inability for teams like Cincinnati and Wichita State um, and a lot of teams that, that aren't in that Power 5 level to schedule. And it, it's, yeah. it used to be a, almost exclusively a small school problem because they were so reliant on the dollars. Yep. But now it's even morphing and shifting into a bigger deal where they don't want to schedule the Cincinnati's and the Wichita states of the world. And if they do schedule them, they're not coming to your place. Right. Because so they, for Cincinnati fans, let's, let's lay out the case here. Let's lay out the case. You're the king at this. So here's the bottom line. Yep, here's the bottom line. So the Power Five and the Big East, Here's the deal. Now, Cincinnati obviously gets to play Xavier home and home. But for the Power Five and the Big East as a whole, here's exactly what's going on in college basketball. Let me give you a couple numbers. First of all, Kentucky spends north of $19 million on their men's basketball program. And the second-place team in money spent is Louisville. Okay? They spend just a little bit less than Kentucky, not much. So when you look at the Power Five and the Big East, their, their budgets are going to range anywhere from about $5 million to about $19 million. So in some cases, Cincinnati and Wichita State both outspend some of those teams when it comes to men's basketball. But here's what's happening with that money. And it happens at Cincinnati, too, by the way, where out of conference, the Power Five and the Big East play 88.5% of their games last season either at home or on a neutral site, okay? So that's a big number, isn't it? 88.5%. But here's the kicker. Here's where Cincinnati and Wichita State and people like that fall into an abyss that nobody else talks about. That 11.5% of of games out of conference, here's what happens. So there's the SEC Big 12 Challenge, the Big 10 ACC challenge. And that other 11.5%, what's happening is the scheduling cartel that literally schedules 88.5% of their games at home or on a neutral site, they only play each other. 
Now, think about that. What happens is the teams that have money, they buy an inordinate amount of home games. So Kentucky can say, Wright State, come down to play us. We'll pay you $125,000 for one game. We're not coming back to your place, and we're going to play it. And they're going to do that eight times, Chad. Yep. And th- this is Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina. It's Nebraska. Uh, I mean, think of whoever you want to across, across the Power Five and the Big East landscape. Then what they do is once they, once they align their schedules that way to get eight, nine, ten home games, okay, like a Syracuse who doesn't even leave the state of New York to play out of conference games typically, right? then what they do is because they, they've got a budget where they can pay teams to come and play, and then they play each other in the 11.5%, which doesn't allow Cincinnati to get a quality opportunity even against anybody. So what's the solution? So let me ask you a question. In Major League Baseball, the New York Yankees have more money than any other franchise. Can they buy home games to get into the, into the playoffs? No. No. Can the New England Patriots, can they buy home games to get in the NFL playoffs? Can, I mean, heck, can my local Springboro 11U baseball <laughs> team that I just coached this afternoon, can they buy home games to get into the playoffs. No. Any place on the planet, and maybe the universe, but I don't know exactly if there's, if there's athletics going on on another planet somewhere, <laughs> but I know about this one. On any other, and on, across the world, is there any other league with integrity that allows their teams to buy home games to influence postseason play? Chad, it doesn't happen anywhere. I mean, anywhere. You could say college football, they might buy a game or two, but, but again, I said any league with integrity. <laughs> college football doesn't have any integrity. And so as you, as you look at this dynamic and how it affects the right states of the world, the northern Kentuckys of the world, people like that, this is a scheduling cartel that, first of all, wipes out the opportunity for about another 22 to 23 conferences to ever have a chance for, for a second at-large bid from their conference. And that 11.5% of games that they play against each other in challenge types of games hurts a Cincinnati, an SMU, a Wichita State, and everybody else. Tell me this isn't a scheduling cartel. Tell me that with it, straight face. It absolutely is. And, and this is something that, that crossed my mind the other day, Mark, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Um, the, the place where like a Cincinnati and a, and a Wichita State and UConn and, the, and those guys really get kind of in a – where their problem is a little bit different than the, the lower major problems, Cincinnati, if they take – you know, if they, they say, okay, we're going we're gonna to take bye games, and yep. they, t- they take 125000 for a bye game, that is significantly less than they would have made at home playing yep. a home game – so, you know, at a, at a Texas Southern or a Wright State, that $125,000, you were never going to make anywhere close to that playing at home in front of 3,000 people. But if you're playing at Kentucky, you make that $125,000. Where Cincinnati and Wichita State and those guys, in order to keep up, in order to be in that range where they can afford a 5 or a 6 or a $7 million budget, they have to have some of those home games. And I, I think the cartel now is saying, you know what, this is how we can squeeze them out. 
There's no question. That's exactly. And, and they did it this year. The American got two bids this year. Yep. Two bids. You know, let me give you a number. So last season, not, not this past season, but the season before that. So actually two seasons ago the, in the NIT, the power five in the big East played nine games at home in the first round of the NIT. They went nine and oh, okay. In the second round, seven of those power five and big East winners had to go on the road to play at do more with what I call do more with less sites. Basically teams that spend south of $4 million on their men's basketball program. They went 0 and 7 on the road. 0 and 7. How important is a home game in November and December that's bought and paid for by the Power Five in the Big East? It's pretty doggone important because in the end, it literally buys NCAA bids. So what's the solution? I think there's two things people can do. Number one is the NCAA's got to show some guts and say no more buy games. It's going to be home and home or neutral site games, period, end of story. That would take care of it. That would bring in, in, in integrity to the system. Short of that, if the NCAA continues to support the cartel, then what needs to happen is the American has to go to the Atlantic 10. They're going to have to go to, in some cases, the West Coast Conference with, with St. Mary's and with Gonzaga. They're going to have to go to a good Missouri Valley team like in Northern Iowa or Illinois State, if they're going to be good, they've got to go to a, a conference like the Mountain West. It might be Nevada. It might be UNLV. It might be San Diego State or New Mexico or whoever it is. And they have to create their own scheduling alliances to, to create a second tier of the Power Five and the Big East so that they still get PowerPoints. And I'm not talking software here. I'm talking computer sour PowerPoints that they can schedule because they, they create these alliances with better performing conferences that can enhance their resume at the end of the season and thereby get more multiple bids. But nobody has figured that out yet. Not one commissioner yet has figured that out. In spite of the fact that I've been promoting that, saying that for, for years now, and there's going to be a commissioner that figures it out, like Doug, like Doug Elgin did for the Missouri Valley back in 2006 when the Valley got four NCA bids in that year. Look it up. He did it by smart scheduling, but now it needs to be a consortium of not mid-majors. I'm talking about high-major programs that spend at the right level, and they all play each other and agree to do that in, in November, December, freeze out the Power Five, freeze out the Big East, and create your own scheduling advantage, and then move forward from there. That's how you, that's how you combat it. Absolutely right, and until they can figure out a way to do something about it, I, I mean, I know from talks that I've had about 2017-18 scheduling, Cincinnati can't get a sniff. I mean, and, and the Power Conference teams in the Big East, the Power Five in the Big East, are looking at Cincinnati and saying, "You won 30 games last year. You return four guys that are going to be high-level players, all conference-level players. You got a transfer coming in that scored 24 points a game last year, a year ago at Sacred Heart. Why would we schedule you?" We're, we're not yep. interested in that, and and Cincinnati is scrapping tooth and nail, and it would make it much easier if, you know, there was an American Conference Athletic Ten challenge, if you will, that pitted the best teams in the American against the best teams in the Atlantic Ten, or or, or you know, they they scheduled San Diego State a couple years ago. Maybe you have to go back to that route. I mean, it's 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 of vital, critical importance because as we saw this year, Mark Cincinnati was docked two seed lines. For their schedule. Yep. 
Yep. Yep. And you know, the other, the other thing is if, if then you took that strategy that I just mentioned and you decide, okay, we're going to cherry pick Cincinnati. We're going to cherry pick Gonzaga. We're going to cherry pick UNC Wilmington out of the colonial or whoever it is, whoever you decide to align with. So, you know what? We want you guys to take one by game and we want you to play Nebraska. We want you to play Marquette and we want you to play Mississippi state. All right, take the bye game, go play them, and then go beat them. And then we're all playing each other. See how the numbers work there? Yep. If you do it smart, you know? I mean, we need commissioners that are visionaries, and we also need, we also need I, I think, radical is the wrong term, but, but we need some people who are activists for the sport that you and I love. They're going to go to back for our conferences and say, we've had enough of this bull but we're seeing that football's running the show because they generate all this revenue off of television, off of television partners, and we're going to do something a little different here, and we're going to band together in a way that's going to be unique, differentiated in the marketplace, but also effective for promoting our agenda. And, and I think that has to happen across the board in conferences beyond the Power Five and the Big East. Absolutely, and, you know, it, it happened – Many moons ago, the first time that I really saw kind of a revolution on this type of thing was, was Bob Huggins and a couple guys back in the early 90s figured out a way to game the RPI. Yep. And yep. when they did that, that changed the way that things were done. And we haven't seen anybody come along and, and change that again and, and put a new twist on that. And I think you're absolutely right. You, you, you find all those power teams that are in, you know, so-called quote-unquote G5 or, or mid-major leagues, and, and you, you collaborate with them and you say, here's 20 of us and we're all going to bounce back and forth between each other and schedule home and homes, and we're going to play at your place this year and you play at our place next year, and we're going to go around the horn and we're going to make sure every year that we've got those out-of-conference top 50 games and we've got those out-of-conference yeah. top 100 games. And, and until they figure that out, it is allowed – like this year, the committee, if you look at went straight, strength of schedule was almost exclusively the metric used in terms of seeding the field. And so the key question is why? Well, we all know why. Absolutely. And, because and, of the money. Here's what I love it's about it. It's a business-driven decision. Here's what I love about how they do it, Mark, and not I love. I, I'm saying that very sarcastically. They move the needle every year. This year it's yeah. strength of schedule. Next year it'll be top 50 RPI oh. road games. The, the year after that, it'll be, uh, you know, a Ken Palm metric. Whatever works in their favor just conveniently happens to be the way that year that seeding and, and selection was decided, and it's, it, it's never known. You can't say, like, if, if you say to yourself, well, this year it was strength of schedule, so next year we're going to work on strength of schedule, and then you get to selection Sunday, and they go, oh, no, well, yeah, last year it was strength of schedule, but this year it's this. That's that's my other pet peeve, Chad. That's my other pet peeve, that here's the deal. So what other business transaction okay, goes completely behind closed doors with no transparency, and all of a sudden on Selection Sunday, the Wizard of Oz comes from behind the curtain after telling us all year, don't look behind the curtain, don't look behind the curtain, and then the Wizard of Oz comes out on a Sunday evening and says, you guys are in? You guys are out, and oh, by the way, I can't really explain why those guys are out or even why those guys are in. 
other than some nebulous decision of, well, strength of schedule or they didn't win a road game, whatever the heck it might be. You know, I want criteria for a decision as important as this. I want criteria that the selection committee that's prioritized. What's number one? What's number two? What's number three? What's number four? I mean, even in tiebreakers of leagues, we know how it's prioritized as to how that tie is going to be broken. Why in the NCAA tournament do fans across the country put up with the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain? Nobody knows what they do, what they say. It's behind closed doors the entire time, and the media gets no access to it. I mean, this isn't Washington, D.C., where you can hide behind a door and come out with some bill that all of a sudden everybody does. Not to get political, but it's the truth. You know, this is college basketball where guys are working their tails off just to get an NCAA bid and get on national TV one time, and we don't even know what those guys are talking about. Is that an acceptable business model? It is from the standpoint they're making money, you know, the NCAA tournament, but it's not an acceptable business model for all the coaches, players, and teams. Leadership is really simple. Leadership is letting your employees or your team members or whatever it is, letting them know where they stand, communicating where they stand and where they need to go to get rewarded. In college basketball, nobody knows where they stand until the NCAA selection process on a Sunday, and all of a sudden the Wizard of Oz says, you're in and you're out. That's wrong, and that's got to stop. And the NCAA needs to show some leadership and let us know how do you prioritize the qualifications for the team and then why is this team in and this team out? And give me facts, not BS. I'm with you 100%, and it, 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 more and more it feels like it comes down to, and another, I mean, we could go on on this for hours, but it feels like it comes down to, you know what you, um, you, know what you, 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 you gain by seeding those teams poorly, by dropping a, an American team, those team seed lines because of their strength schedule, or dropping Wichita State to 10, uh, a 10 seed, meaning they're basically 40th in the country when their their metrics say that they're top 10. It prevents yeah, crazy. It, it slows them from advancing in the tournament. And what what the common fan doesn't talk much about, you know what you get for advancing in the tournament? You get tournament shares. Tournament shares are yeah. a lot of money. $1.2 yeah. million dollars a share. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And they, you know, they're it's, keeping it's, those tournament It's all about the money. It's all about the money, and it needs to be about the teams and how they perform and setting up a system that is, that is fair and equitable from a scheduling standpoint and then creating a system that allows for leadership to communicate exactly how you evaluate those teams. It's real simple, but you know what, Chad? It's been a, a real frustrating fight, but you know what? I'm going to keep fighting the fight. I'm right there with you. The same stuff that drives you nuts drives me nuts as well. But the good news is... Hopefully next year, Cincinnati and, and Wichita State are going to be two top ten teams, and they're get to, going to get to play each other twice. They're going to get one at home. They're going to get one on the road, and they're going to go in front of the selection committee and say, that's on our resume. So at the end of the day, that's the best part to come out of this for the Shockers. It's the best part to come out of this for the Bearcats, and it should be a win for the American Conference, uh, even though, unfortunately, it's a big loss for, for the Missouri Valley. And it is. And listen, I grew up as a Missouri Valley fan. Uh, Tim and my dad, we, we'd sit down in the den when I was a little boy, and we'd watch, you know, the, the University of Cincinnati when they were really, really good. And 
and I and I watched the, them play in far what what seemed to me like far off places in Peoria at Bradley and Des Moines for for Drake and and Wichita State, and I remember those those arenas that were, you know, it was almost like back then it was like spotlights on the floor. Everything was dark around it, but the floor was well lit, and it'd be smoke haze. You know, people allowed to smoke in arenas back <laughs> yeah. then. And, and I just remember as a little boy watching those games. And, you know, when, when UC would, would get down at Wichita State, my dad would yell at the screen, man, he wanted those Bearcats to win. And on the nights when they come back and win the game, you know, Tim's jumping up and down, and he's always been a Bearcat fan. You know, me, uh, not as much. I, I've got a little more eclectic mix in my blood because of my coaching background. But, you know, th- those were special memories for me, and I grew up as a Missouri Valley fan. I wanted to be the voice of the Valley someday. And I'm humbled and, and thrilled and honored to be a part of that, you know, and, and, and now to see Cincinnati and Wichita State play again uh, in meaningful games. You know, my dad will be watching in heaven and my brother's just fine and well, and I'm, I'm sure he'll be jumping up and down if, if Cincinnati wins. But I got to tell you, he's become a little bit of a Wichita State <laughs> fan, too. It's going to be fun to watch. Well, Mark, hopefully we can get you on one of those games next year. And, and if not, we will definitely have you back on this podcast to break down the Bearcats and the Shockers when the time comes. Thanks for coming on. It's been a, an informative uh, and, a, and a great look at what Wichita State brings and, and something both you and I are uh, pretty passionate about and, and the NCAA and the scheduling cartel and the Power Five conferences uh, hoarding all the money because they, they not only need $40 million TV deals for each school, they also need every $1.2 million tournament share as well. Jerks. Uh, one thing I will guarantee you before we leave, leave this, uh, this podcast is that someday, somehow, some way, I will call Wichita State versus Cincinnati. Write it down. All right. I will hold you to that, and I will look forward to seeing you about between two hours and 90 minutes before tip for our normal conversation when you're in town, and I'm looking looking forward to it. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Great stuff. I know our members are going to love it, and we will talk to you soon. Have a great offseason, and we will talk to you again when college basketball rolls around next season. Thanks, Chad. My best to your family, and keep up the great work. I'm proud of you. Thank you, you, Mark. Appreciate it. And that's going to wrap it up. Thanks to Mark for tuning in. A special episode of the BCJ Podcast where we got to look at the Wichita State Shockers coming into the American Athletic Conference. Mark Adams, as always, a delight to have on and some very interesting stuff. I think you guys will enjoy it. That's going to wrap it up. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.